Hey, 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 and welcome into another show. It's B Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you on a Monday afternoon slash evening in West Palm Beach, Florida. Hope everybody had an enjoyable weekend. Haven't done a show for the last couple of days. I did do a weekend show last weekend, did one Saturday. Apologize for not getting one out this weekend. I have committed myself to the daily weekday shows as we've done. I believe this is starting week number four, if I'm not mistaken, since we began the B-Shaped Daily Show. And so I'm excited about that, excited to keep it going with you guys here throughout another week. But didn't get a weekend show done because my wife was here in Florida with me for just a couple of days before she flew back to Missouri. So I'm here for three weeks total. She flew in during the middle for kind of a way to split the gap most effectively so that we don't have to go nearly a month without seeing each other. And so that's what we did, and so therefore no weekend show this past weekend. However, we had Cardinals baseball both days, Saturday and Sunday, and then another game today on Monday. I was at all of them and and looking forward to recapping the action and mostly just kind of focusing on the takeaways, some of the most interesting points uh, from the last few days in Cardinals baseball as now we've seen some of these pitchers. We've seen where guys are at, obviously, early, and I think you'll get a better indication for where guys are at the more you see them play. But uh, certainly some standout performances so far is what I wanted to discuss today on the show, and then we'll, we'll get to discuss a lot more over the coming weeks as the Cardinals careen toward the opening of the regular season. Got to get through spring training, but uh, we're already deep into the midst of things so far. Let's talk about some of the guys who have stood out so far from an offensive standpoint, and then we'll kind of run down the pitchers uh, at, toward the end of the show. First and foremost, started off with a bang. Got to give some credit. Tyler O'Neill. he's going to be making a push for this roster, not only for this roster, but for the starting lineup with that left field job kind of up in the air. And a lot of people figure he would be a guy that has a chance to seize it and seize he did with his first at bat of the spring, going for a long home run, went 409 feet to left center field, but it was right into the teeth of the wind, which the media got to ask Tyler O'Neill about after the fact, and his response was kind of funny, so I'm going to play that for you here. Here was Tyler O'Neill after his home run, had said he was trying to just find a barrel, put a barrel to the ball, that's what he did, but in that situation, are you really trying to swing for the fences knowing the wind is blowing so hard. Here's what Tyler O'Neill had to say about the wind going against his home run on Saturday. It was gusting pretty hard out there today. Um, I mean, don't count me out, man. <laughs> still, still try and put one out there. Uh, obviously, I'm not trying to hit a fly ball in that scenario, but uh, you know, got under it a little bit and uh, just flew out of there. And so that was Tyler O'Neill talking about. He says, "You can't count me out, man." And it's it's great to talk to him because you can you can tell he's laughing and having a good time about it. Like, almost as though he knows his strength, but like he almost surprised himself with that one. Scatcast had it at 115.3 miles per hour off the bat for an exit velocity. Just an, He absolutely got all of this baseball. And it's just kind of funny, you know, into the teeth of the wind. He's a guy that is known for his strength and his ability to hit for power. And he does it in a in a really kind of funny spring scenario. The wind does get pretty gusty down at Roger Dean Stadium, and just the way that the stadium's constructed, where it is left field in particular, can be kind of a challenge. 
uh, for the fielders. And so it uh, was, was good to see O'Neal overpower that and be able to hit the ball out of the yard. Then Sunday came Harrison Bader's big day offensively. Um, as far as guys competing for starting jobs in, in the Cardinals outfield, look, Harrison Bader has said he is the center fielder. That's what he said at winter warmup. It's his job. He didn't want to spend any time talking about it. He's just going to have, that's his job. That's his mindset. And he'll come to spring training and, and presumably show why that is the case. And certainly uh, off to a pretty good start, hitting the home run yesterday, got over the fence. It was an absolute moonshot down at Clover Park. I guess I should say up because where the Mets play in Port St. Lucie is about 40 some odd miles or so north of where the Cardinals play in Jupiter, Florida. And so I think it's about 40 miles, give or take. And then West Palm, a little bit south of that. And so that's where I've been stationed. That's where You'll hear about the Astros and the Nationals. They've got their ballpark. It's called the ballpark at the Palm Beaches or of the Palm Beaches. That's kind of where they are in relation. And so those those are two relatively convenient locations for the Cardinals to travel to. But otherwise, some of these road trips, like you got to go all the way across the state to Northport where the Atlanta Braves' new facility is. It's like three hours away. Uh, the Cardinals do play there later this week. I think it's on Thursday. I don't anticipate that I will be making the drive for that game just because it's six hours round trip. And so that might be a day where I focus a little bit more uh, on the podcast and, and building up some things that I can report earlier on this week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, and then do some writing on Thursday back from a coffee shop or something like that. I, I hate to break it to you. I just don't think it's going to happen that I want to do a six-hour round trip on Thursday. Haven't really taken a day off in its entirety since I got here, so I'm thinking that'll be that'll be kind of what I do Thursday, where I don't go anywhere. I'm not taking a day off. I'm still doing the podcast. I'm still doing some writing, but I just won't go anywhere. Maybe I'll go to uh, Crux Coffee, awesome coffee shop down in Abacoa where the Cardinals have their uh, facilities. But the point of that uh, segue is to talk about how Harrison Bader, on his home run that he hit, Absolute moonshot. I think it went higher in the air than it did distance that it traveled. It was one of those where you didn't think it was going to get out because of how how much it looked kind of like a pop-up that just kept going and going and going. But I don't want to diminish the, the good swing that Bader put on the ball. And he did another one later on where he doubled over the head of Tim Tebow in left field. Uh, former Florida Gator Tim Tebow. Harrison Bader was a Florida Gator on the baseball side. Tebow obviously played football and then later decided he was going to play baseball. God love him. Uh, I think he's great, but I don't think he's cut out for uh, this sport in the long in the long run. Uh, he should he should sign to be the Battlehawks backup is what I think should happen uh, for Tebow. But all that aside, really good offensive day at the plate yesterday for Bader. That was Sunday, where I, he might have struck the second ball that went for a double even better than he did the first one. Obviously, the launch angle was a a, a lot more substantial on the home run ball. But just two really good at-bats, two good swings that he put on the ball. And we'll just have to wait and see how you know how that progresses for Bader because we've talked about him being a guy that doesn't need to necessarily hit for power in order to stay in the Cardinals lineup. And, you know, he, he's his defense, that comes first. That's never going to slump in theory. He's always going to have that. And at a position of premium value like center field, the Cardinals are – Desperate. I wouldn't say desperate because they've got other options. But the Cardinals are anxious and eager to see Harrison Bader claim this job. I think that's true. I think if they had their druthers, Bader would be in there every day because they love what he can do defensively. And all he's got to do is hit, I don't know, hit 205 last year. That's not really going to cut it. 
That's why he got demoted to Memphis at one point in time. He, he was in and out of the lineup when it came to the, the games that really mattered down the stretch and in October. But if he could just hit 250, 245, like, I don't know what that number has to be, but whatever that number is with, like, a proportional increase to his on-base and his slug, and really the slug, I, I don't even worry about that much. I would say he could he, he could hit for power and that he should be a, a gap hitter that hits doubles and comes across the occasional triple thanks to his speed. But really, it's about the on-base percentage of the batting average, getting those things up for Harrison Bader, because I think his style of game, the rest of it's going to come if he does those things. And he'll be a tremendous value to the Cardinals if he's able to do that and able to kind of stabilize that offensive game and not go on the tremendously bad slumping and and things like that that he did at times last year where you just knew for maybe weeks at a time that he wasn't going to be able to produce at the plate. He's an athletic guy. He's He's a good baseball player. He's got a lot of raw talent. He's just got to find a way to... And we know that the, the main thing with him is the breaking pitches, laying off the sliders in the dirt. They're going to pitch you that way because they know that you're susceptible to it. And Bader, I think, and at least what he said, he spent all offseason trying not to be susceptible to any one pitch so that pitchers can't kind of pigeonhole him, put him in a box and say, this is how you get Harrison Bader out. He's trying to prevent that from happening. And good stuff from Mike Schilt, kind of talking about him being in between as a hitter, and, and what, what goes along with that as he tries to develop into player that he wants to be. This was what you're about to hear. My interaction with Mike Schultz and then his response regarding Harrison Bader after his big day at the plate on Sunday. Lots been made of kind of him reworking his swing and understanding the kind of hitter that he wants to be, not necessarily a power guy, but obviously has the capability to drive the ball in situations like you saw today. Yeah, that's the thing about it. You know, he's in between. Colton went through that phase where he's gotten that, you know, what kind of player do I need to be? And um, you know, he's got the power. And um, you know, Harrison's exit speed is <clears throat> right there at the top of our club. So you look at it from a, that standpoint, you want to say, hey, he's got him drive the ball in it. But he also wants to make sure he's, he's able to get a, a swing that can cover a lot of different pitches, especially spin. And uh, he's worked really hard to do that. Is there something that you can say as a manager or that a coach can say that can help him arrive at that point of getting out of the in-between? Or is that something that he just has to kind of go through and feel through mentally and knowing himself as a player? Ultimately, we'll both. But, you know, I mean, it's experience. Again, we we, um, we, we got to be good with situational hitting, Harris included. Like today, wasn't as productive a day for us with our situational hitting. You know, we, we want to be able to drive the ball in the ballpark, but we did have that. And, and that's important. We talked about doing damage last year, and then we do damage, we win. But we also need to have that, that uh, ability to, to move runners and uh, get guys in, have a good approach, and runners in score position, less than two outs. Um, and that's the same thing with theirs. And so hopefully you're able to hear that between myself and Mike Schilt from yesterday. I apologize if the audio has not been very clear on some of these Schilt clips that I have been playing Um, I did try to adjust and amplify this audio while reducing some of the noise. However, that was a special case where we were in like a a metal box, it felt like, in Mike Schilt's office at Port St. Lucie. So future uh, Mike Schilt quotes should be a little bit better, but go ahead and give me some feedback on that, what that sounded like to you. I'm able to hear it, but I also know what he said because I was there, and so... I understand if it's if it doesn't come as clearly through the podcast, but that is something that I will be working on. Appreciate the feedback, to be honest with you. And I got a few people that have, that have done so and said I'm enjoying the show, but here's here's uh, the deal: I can't hear Mike Schilt, and I will try to make sure that you can next time because I want to make sure the uh, experience 
is listener-friendly. Always give me feedback, by the way. Let me know what you think of the show, what you'd like to see improved, what you would like to hear that I don't talk about, uh, what I talk about too much that you don't care about. Like, I'm always up for feedback from the listeners if you guys are out there. Love to know you're listening. If you just say, hey, shoot me a DM, at bshafer12 on Twitter. I heard you shout it out and say you wanted to know if I was listening. Well, guess what, fool, I am appreciate the show like I, that's that would be make my day to hear that so appreciate you guys that are listening and I'm enjoying bringing the show to you I have a lot of fun I let a little bit more loose than I can do in an article obviously uh, for KMOV love it if you would read those as well uh, we'll get into it's a nice segue I, I well I, I was gonna say nice segue into the pitching uh, but first I want to mention Dylan Carlson because he's a guy that had a pretty good first day as well with a couple of hits and he smoked an RBI base hit uh, late in that game on Saturday, it was. Um, obviously, a guy competing for left field, and he's going to get lots of run, lots of opportunity, I think, this spring to show what he can do. Uh, I've got him in a fantasy league, got to be honest with you. It's a dynasty league. Everybody in this league trying to trade for him. I, if you want to know my opinion on what Dylan Carlson can become, I'm basically saying he's off limits. Somebody offered me basically Chris Bryant for Dylan Carlson in this league, and I said, look, man, Chris Bryant – Top 50 player in fantasy baseball, for sure. I, I totally buy into that. He's a very, very good player. He's a star. But he's like 28 years old. Dylan Carlson's 20. And a year from now, Dylan Carlson could be in that top 50 to top 75 conversation. And then I'll have him for another seven years on top of whatever Chris Bryant's prime ends up being. Bryant, not an old guy. But when, when it comes to fantasy, man, especially dynasty, I'm all about the young guys. So... I'm basically saying, hey, Dylan Carlson, I think he's untouchable. Though I did trade Nolan Gorman in this league because I had a lot of young prospects and I, I had to get some present-day value for some of these guys so I can you know, try to compete this year. So anyway, if, if, that's, if that's what you're curious about when it comes to Dylan Carlson, my own personal stake in fantasy baseball, I'm into the guy. So we'll end up seeing what he does the rest of spring if he's able to carve out a role for himself. Uh, look, it's a matter of... Does he do enough that he justifies playing on a nearly everyday basis in St. Louis? If he does, then you're going to see him on the roster, I think, sooner rather than later. So we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. Quick break so I can tell you about Anchor, and then I'm going to dive right into the pitching for the end of the episode. We've seen some good pitching performances. We've seen some that are not so good so far from the Cardinals. I'm going to go through just about all of the the, the noteworthy ones right here after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Appreciate you guys for sticking by me through the advertisement. I do get a little bit of money that, uh, you know, comes from Anchor whenever the ad is played. And there's talk that I could end, end up having some other advertisements on the show coming up. Uh, you know, trying to trying to make this into part of what I do. I get paid by KMOV, obviously, but trying to add to, uh, you know, making a living as a baseball writer in the baseball media in St. Louis. Try to bring you Cardinals coverage, so that's part of that. Hope you guys don't mind the quick ads when they do come about. Uh, another discussion, I don't know if you guys have heard about Patreon, but a possibility down the line would be to potentially try to put this podcast as a subscription where you pay a couple dollars a month and you get access to every podcast. 
Um, Anchor does have an option where I can beg you guys for money, but I don't feel like that's as valuable. Uh, just They call it listener support. I think it would be better to say, do people value the podcast? If they do, maybe someday I end up going that route, which can then allow me, the way I see it is this, it would allow me to go cover more games that I could bring you more coverage and the podcast would be better uh, because if I you know, make a few bucks here and there from it, next thing you know, I can afford to go on an extra road trip that KMOV doesn't want to send me on. And that's just more covers that I can be able to bring. So kind of looking at that kind of stuff down the line. Uh, but for right now, let's just talk about Cardinals pitching, right? Because we've had some interesting performances. Like, uh, I know I'm working my way backwards a little bit, but yesterday was Sunday when we saw Adam Wainwright, Carlos Martinez. Neither of those guys were able to get through both of the innings that they were supposed to pitch. Uh, typically, this early in spring, if you're a starter, you're going to pitch two innings. But the pitch count is going to be limited to 35 and both Wainwright and Carlos Martinez rubbed right up against that number before recording the final out of their second inning yesterday. Uh, I'll play a good little clip here from Waino after the fact, talking about getting a little bit of grief from Michael Waka after he saw Wainwright throw a 3-2 changeup to Tim Tebow. Obviously, Waka now on the Mets, so he was around watching that game yesterday. He didn't pitch in the game, but he was keeping his eye on things and had a text for Wainwright when Wainwright got back to his locker after his outing on Sunday. It was a pretty good battle with, with Tebow at the time you faced him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I knew that was my last pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I told, I, I think I told Jack or somebody the other day I was going to throw four curveballs and no more, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was my fourth one. So Waka already texted me. 3-2 curveball, what are you doing? <laughs> I was just filling my quota. I was just my quota. And so that was Wainwright after the fact, joking about the text he got from Waka. Wayno did walk Tim Tebow on that 3-2 curveball, so kind of fun there. And I had asked Wainwright, too, later on if he had ever met Tim Tebow because knowing the kind of charitable endeavors both are involved in, I, I thought maybe they had crossed paths. Uh, Wainwright said that they had not, but you never know, maybe sometime down the road. And so, Wainwright, again, not going to get too deep into the outing. You know, talked about needing to have some better command of his fastball in the second inning. Talked about the fact that it was the first time he'd pitched an inning, sat down, and then got up for another inning. Uh, You could see maybe that was the same issue that Carlos Martinez had as Carlos. First inning, pretty good. Second inning, not as good. And so, both those guys will look to improve upon that effort for the next time out. Uh, But as far as, let's get after Brett Cecil had his first appearance uh, everything went fine. He feels good. I believe he's going to pitch tomorrow on Tuesday. His second appearance, he'll be the first if he does so. Uh, Cardinal pitcher to make another appearance, if I'm not mistaken. And so the Cardinals obviously eager to see what he looks like and see whether he can keep his health and his performance up through the regimen that is spring training and, and as he goes through things. So that will be something to monitor, I believe, for Tuesday's game, if not potentially Wednesday. But back on Saturday, Jack Flaherty obviously looked good. All the Cardinals pitchers that, that threw Saturday really looked pretty good. They didn't give up any runs, uh, so a productive day. And Monday, things were looking good as well until Matthew Libertor got involved and, and had a little bit of a tough outing in his Grapefruit League debut, gave up five runs. Cardinals pitching on Monday actually had not allowed a hit, even though they had allowed the run on a, a weird pickoff attempt from John Gant, went into center field in the first inning. Uh, guy reached on a walk, stole second, I believe. Tried to pick him off a second, didn't really work out. Went into center field. Lane Thomas couldn't pick up the ball, and so guy came all the way around to score from second. Cardinals pitching from then on until like middle of the seventh inning had not given up a hit. So fine day for John Gant. Ryan Helsley was very impressive, and another guy that stood out on Monday was was uh, Cody Whitley. 
You look at his numbers in relief last season. He pitched between Springfield and Memphis. Really, really good. Had an ERA of 1.6 in total in his minor league season last year. 67.1 innings, 78 strikeouts with an ERA of 1.6. You would think that would play at the major league level. Uh, He's a guy that, if he continues to look like he did today, uh, and like he did last season in the minors, he's got to be up. You got to get him in the bullpen some way or another because he could. You're talking about guys that are closers and looking for a closer. You know, guys with wipeout stuff, swing and miss stuff like Cody Whitley has. He had three strikeouts in his game on Monday, just one inning. Uh, but Lane Thomas, another little bit of a flub on a fly ball into center field that he kind of got turned around on, didn't catch. Should have been an out. And so, really, Whitley had that out and then three others that he recorded via strikeout. Uh, took 24 pitches to get through the inning, but when you give away an out like they did in center field on that misplay and then had a 10-pitch at-bat to finish the inning where the guy just kept fouling balls off and Whitley's still able to put him away with pitch number 10 on the strikeout. So impressive stuff there. We saw Kwon Young Kim on Saturday trying to think stream of consciousness here about all the Cardinals pitchers that we've seen, uh, but Kim looked good. He'll have another opportunity coming up, I believe, in the next couple of days. I think we'll see Austin Gomber as well. Should see Alex Reyes here pretty soon. So excited to see what more of those pitchers can do. And uh, we'll certainly have all the updates and news and notes on uh, on those guys on the podcast as things come about. Uh, if you want to check out my stories I wrote on Monday at KMOV, had something on Ryan Helsley from the game, also a lot of other little tidbits uh, from Monday's game. It was a 6-3 to three loss by the Cardinals. Not sure if I've said that yet, but Cardinals take their first loss of the season, the uh, Great Fruit League slate on Monday, 6-3. to three. It was just those five runs that Libertor gave up uh, in the seventh were just a little bit too much to overcome. Not something I'd worry about, you know, 20-year-old guy making his first ever appearance uh, in what is essentially a big league, big league game in spring training. And so the tough day for Libertor, but he'll uh, presumably bounce back and shake that one off. But the other story that I wrote on Monday was Carlos Martinez, more about kind of what Mike Schultz had to say about what the team is looking to do, where they want him to go, kind of what the Cardinals need to see out of Carlos Martinez in order to get him back into the rotation. We talk a lot and we hear a lot about, well, Carlos is competing for a spot in the rotation. He's competing to get back in the rotation. But what does that really mean? Because in my opinion, he's not competing with anybody but himself. If he he proves that he is Carlos Martinez circa 2015 to 2017, he's going to be in that rotation. Uh, But kind of got some good insight from Mike Schilt and even from Adam Wainwright on what that might look like and what that needs to, to be for Carlos Martinez in order to have the kind of success as a starter that he once did have. Like, we remember, he's done this. It's not like he he, he needs to, to work his way to something that's not attainable because he's never done it. For three straight years as a starter, Carlos Martinez was one of the best in baseball. For all the different things you can talk about, whether he was focused enough at times or whether he was able to, to get guys out in the first inning, I know that was has been an issue for him in his past as a starter. Regardless of all that, he was still rock solid. The numbers show it, and so you can read about all of that uh, in another story I wrote on Monday for KMOV. Going to wrap the podcast up right here, though. i got to get some freaking dinner. It's kind of late, and I, I still haven't even eaten uh, very much at all all day. I had a couple of cookies in the press box, a bagel this morning. Not the most balanced diet, so I'm going to get out of here, put this podcast up, and go find some food. Appreciate you guys for joining me for this episode of B-Shape Daily. Follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at bshafer 12 Facebook.com slash bshafer 12 all the places that you can uh, hear my voice, see me, and all that good stuff. It's all on there. Okay, I'm seriously out of here. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll be back tomorrow.